From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Monique Aiken, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, November 3rd. Today, Impact Alpha's Dennis Price catches up with Maria Holland, a Mexico City-based investor who is working to introduce her family office to Impact Investing. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in Impact Investing. Call it the big chill. At least that's the effect on climate action that the Republican majority on the House Judiciary Committee seemed to be hoping for, based on this week's roundup of subpoenas to shareholder activists and industry initiatives. The committee, led by Jim Jordan of Ohio, demanded documents from nonprofit shareholder advocate, as you so, and the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, or GFANS. The committee appears to be targeting Climate Action 100 Plus, an investor effort to press big corporate greenhouse gas emitters to adopt transition plans. Jordan wrote, quote, Corporations are collectively adopting and imposing left-wing environmental, social, and governance, or ESG-related goals. As you so's Andrew Bihar called the committee's action anti-business and an attack on shareholder rights and told Impact Alpha, quote, We own the company. The board reports to us. The pushback comes as mandatory climate disclosures are ramping up. California's landmark climate disclosure law, signed last month, will apply to some 5,000 large public and private companies. The European Union will require large public companies to report their emissions next year. And lobbying is fierce around the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's climate disclosure rules, which are expected to be announced before the end of the year. The most controversial piece in all of the efforts is the reporting of so-called Scope 3 emissions, generated in corporate supply chains and by end users of their products. For oil companies, for example, that means all the gasoline burned by automobiles. In a guest post on Impact Alpha this week, Ceres' Laura Drucker busted three myths about Scope 3. And sticking with climate, investors are increasingly recognizing the key role of women in climate solutions. This month's Agents of Impact call We'll pull out a gender lens on climate investing to kick off Impact Alpha's partnership with Heading for Change, the investment fund and legacy project of the late Suzanne Beagle and her husband, Daniel Maskett. Among the guests will be Camilla Nestler of MCE Social Capital, which this week raised nearly $42 million for its MESA fund, which makes loans to improve the climate resilience of smallholder farmers and create economic opportunities for women. The call is Wednesday, November 15th, and you can RSVP using the link in the show notes. Now it's time for our featured conversation from the recent Gender Lens Investing Forum in Medellin, Colombia. Dennis Price chatted with Maria Holland, who is part of a younger generation of investors that is seeking to introduce impact investing to their family offices and to their parents and grandparents. Let's listen into their conversation about how the transition is going. Can you talk a little bit about your family's journey to impact investing? Yes. So I'm a second generation of um, a family business and in the family business, and I'm the fourth generation in the philanthropy in the family. Um, so my journey started working in my family business. And then I, I realized at some point that as a family, as a business, we were taking into account all stakeholders and that not, not everyone else does that, not every company does that. And um, especially with my MBA, I, I, I learned you know, what good success case studies were. And for me, I, I realized I had a different meaning of, of success. So I, I was very interested in that, the consequences that you can have 
uh, within a business, you know, with, with the beneficiaries and with all stakeholders. And so I, I, during my MBA, I learned about impact investing and for me it made completely sense. As a family, we had only been doing um, negative screening um, since a long time, but uh, nothing. They would often they would send us to the philanthropy areas of banks because there was not such a thing on impact investing. But then when I learned about it and uh, it made sense, so I, I spoke to my family about it and I've been, we've been trying to, to do impact investing. We, we started with uh, two direct investings mm-hmm. and um, then uh, I think it was a good way to get involved and be passionate about a cause. But also, uh, then I realized probably there's more than that. Um, mm-hmm. You can have impact as a complete portfolio. So. And so originally there was sort of impact in the philanthropy side of the family office yes. and, and non-impact or, or just sort of market rate investments on the other side. Um, so what are some of the, like, the myths or the assumptions that your family had to overcome or that you had to um, convince your family of that like... Um, that that made them come around to doing more investments. What are some of the assumptions they had yeah. about impact investing? Well, they, I, I'm still working on it, and especially with all our family members works in the family. I think there is this view. Well, first of all, not many know about that impact investing exists. Mm-hmm. So even my my friends, family, I, when I am out of the circle, the impact circle. I always have to be one doing impact investing. What is that? And, they, and the, the ones who have uh, heard about it, most of them think that it, that's philanthropy. And in, in, in Mexico, I think, and also in Latin America, probably, there are many family foundations that are very traditional. So uh, I think we also, there's a huge opportunity there as well. Mm-hmm. But then people think that impact investing is only philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And so um, one way to overcome that was to actually get your hands dirty and do some direct invest- yeah, direct investments you mentioned. Can you share exactly. a bit about those? So um, we first invested in a company that is a coding bootcamp for migrants. And so the impact was, was also great there. Um, the, the company didn't go so well, and, but for other reasons. And I think that was also a, a very good learning for us because we are not experts in doing due diligence. I mean, not without, without even talking about impact before, but, but we had the, the intent and also the, my father has a very entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did direct investment, but we realized we needed to, to do something else with, with people who are actually good in that. So either we also went in, uh, invested in some funds that are really good and and we did. We have done other investments, but in that sense, but you don't get so involved in us when you do direct investing. And one thing that we we realize is that if we do one direct investing in, or you know, there's or the funds, they they only serve certain type of companies. And you know, and often people say that there's not enough demand or companies that are investment ready. But then, how can we get? Those more companies to investment ready if you don't have you know that that base and mm-hmm. I I saw well in other countries that that's often what governments do they mm-hmm. help doing that 
uh, and build the base so that then the investors can come and in in countries uh, in some countries like Latin America that something sometimes that doesn't happen so you need philanthropy as well you need you know to break that base and and have the um, so so in a way to bridge that... up so it, I that's where we found some partners that are experts in the field in impact investing in Mexico they know the ecosystem they also know the accelerators and. With and, and with them, we invested in this company called Iguala, and it's a lending platform for for women entrepreneurs. And with that, we give um, it often is the first credit, so seventy two percent of the portfolio is our first credit, and um, and we also have a revenue based lending structures or um, or also. Um, pay for impact uh, or prices for impact. So if they we, we set certain kind of goals and if they achieve them, they can have a discount of the rate because of the impact. And we are doing blended finance, also trying to get philanthropy, different types of capital, philanthropy, and uh, and then private money so that we can get, uh, instead of you know the government before, we can, we're trying to innovate in financial ways how we can help these days. So you found as a family office that's sort of in control of your own money that you could take a little more risk and play a role in the market that yes. was more catalytic. Yes, and I think that's exactly where family offices would be great because there's a, there's a big opportunity in investments where family offices can have a lot more flexibility that you cannot have in, in big foundations. You, you have many mandates or institutional. So family offices can have the flexibility to do more investments for example we started with equity then we decided it was needed in debt and uh, you know depending on what's needed and also the company this company Liwala, is very flexible in terms of because we create the products of what we're listening to the market not not imposing the products so it has changed also mm -hmm. quite a bit so i think for them it's also good that we are flexible in mm -hmm. that way and i think that's where and that's where family offices are great. You, see, you mentioned one investment that failed, which is normal in non-impact investing as well. And then this other one sounds like it's been successful. Has the business case within your family for impact investing, um, like either a market rate investment or alpha in the investment, you know, maybe you find something that outperforms because of the impact. Yeah. Has that resonated with your family or is there, are you still building the case? Mm, I'm still in the case. That's a good, that's a good question because I think for, for that part of the impact, they they were very sort of happy about it. We say that that's never going to be a, a unicorn, but we we call it it can be a an, a unicorn in terms of impact. So that that's great. But then talking about all other asset classes, we're talking about you know like a, a full portfolio where you know there's you know that you have certain risk and you. Yeah, and then you want that, you know, for the next generation. Then it's, you know, it's, it's not, it hasn't been that easy. And also for me, because I'm, I I didn't study finance, I don't know about how to do it. And we ask the advisors, they often didn't know about it. So we also had, I also had to educate myself and educate them. Mm. So it's not that easy to build a case. What I have done that has been very helpful is joining other groups of families. Uh, globally, that we can talk each other, with each other, and also that they can talk with some family members that are in similar situations, similar age, so that 
they could hear that from someone else. But I'm still building a case, so I'm not there yet. We're, we're here at the GLM Forum LATAM, which is a gender lens investing focused conference. Um, and we've seen a lot of new structures. We've seen bonds. We've seen new funds. Um, is that that sort of institutional grade type of investments? Are those exciting? And do you think that helps um, move families like yours more towards impact when they see products that look familiar, perhaps? Yes, and I didn't know that there were so many products that I've, I've seen these days, so it has been really amazing to be here. And I think many families would be very interested, in, especially families in, in Latin America, that obviously when they, when they want to do impact, they want to do it in the region. So to have other asset classes as well is going into impact and gender lens, that the effect can be multiplied, the impact can be multiplied. The only thing that I would say it, it would be needed is more education for all these families that they don't even know that it existed. And for someone not having to go all the journey that I did in order to learn about it and because it hasn't been offered to us by where we normally would get advice from. So Sounds like more, more awareness about impact investing and that you can have impact and also good financial returns. Mm-hmm. I think so. Probably. That's also your job. Impact in Spanish and Espanol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and more conferences like these, of course. Yes. Well, Maria, thank you for joining us and keep us uh, attuned of your journey and look forward to following. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Maria, Dennis, and our producer, Isaac Silk. Sign up for Impact Alpha Open, our free weekly newsletter, directly at impactalpha.com or become a subscriber to get full access to our award-winning daily coverage in impact investing and sustainable finance. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Anique Aiken, Managing Director for CHIP, the Investment Integration Project. Be sure to check back for next week's briefing, and until then, take care.